Hello. Today's podcast is going to be a bit different. Out of an extreme bit of caution, Jacob has been self-isolating since he was unknowingly exposed to someone with COVID at his work. But I thought this presented a unique opportunity and one to discuss the history of pandemics and see how the past might help us here today and in the future. This is Casual History. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Um, this is a bit weird just because I don't have the uh, person, don't have Jacob here to bounce stuff off with. But I thought um, the show must go on of sorts. I didn't want to leave this week out and just felt, hey, let's give this a go. Let's try something new here. Um, we're all about being awkward and dangerous. <laughs> and this is probably going to be a bit of both. So I thought it would be a bit interesting to just go through the history of pandemics, um, where this stems from, maybe give my brief, humble thoughts on our current situation and see if there's any light in the past and how it was dealt with then to providing some answers and maybe some thoughts for how to present ourselves here today in the new world that we're living in with COVID and how to interact with each other and still find time to be human, be ourselves, and be around the people we love in different capacities, sure, but um, to be there for each other all the same. So to start off, I thought, let's go through the history of pandemics. Boy, does that sound fun, right? Um, it didn't seem that interesting until I started doing some reading myself, and then maybe I just uh, can read anything, but I hope you'll stick with me. And let's see where this goes. So, as human civilization flourished, so did infectious disease. Large numbers of people living in close proximity to each other and animals, often with poor sanitation. We've discussed this previously uh, with cities like Rome and how there was dead bodies when plagues happened just laying in the streets. Um, and this provided fertile breeding grounds for disease. And new overseas trading routes spread the novel infectious far and wide, creating the first global pandemics. And here's how five of the world's worst pandemics finally ended. So, the plague of Justinian. No one's left to die. That's the title here. Um, three of the deadliest pandemics in recorded history were caused by a single bacterium. These are called Yersinia pestites. Uh, pestis, sorry if I mispronounce that. A fatal infection otherwise known as the plague. Now, the plague of Justinian arrived in Constantinople, the capital of the Byzantine, Byzantine Empire in 541 CE. It was carried over the Mediterranean Sea from Egypt, a recently conquered land, paying tribute to Emperor Justinian in grain. Plague-ridden fleas hitched a ride on the black rats that snacked on the grain. And the plague decimated Constantinople and spread like wildfire across Europe, Asia, North Africa, and Arabia, killing an estimated 30 to 50 million people, perhaps half of the world's population at the time. People had no real understanding of how to fight it other than trying to avoid sick people. Um, as to how the plague ended, the best guess is that the majority of people in a pandemic somehow survive, and those who survive have immunity. 
Now, I won't begin to touch on the thoughts of today with the words herd immunity. I've been uh, terrified and enlightened uh, by trying to understand what that actually means and what the numbers run um, when you're trying to do that kind of math. Um, But it always freaks me out when we uh, distill and distill people to numbers, even when it comes to this kind of situation. If there's, I think there's seven point something billion people in the world and you reduce that to numbers uh, on a piece of paper to somehow achieve a goal always seems a bit, um, I get a bit weary and uh, terrified. So, but the second one being the black death, the invention of quarantine, um, the plague never really went away. And when it returned 800 years later, it killed with reckless abandon. And basically the black death, which hit Europe in 1347, claimed an astonishing 200 million lives in just four years. As far as how to stop the disease, people still had no scientific understanding of contagion, but they did know that it had something to do with proximity. That's why forward-thinking officials at the time who controlled port city of Ragusa decided to keep newly arrived sailors in isolation until they could prove they weren't sick. And at first, sailors were held on their ships for 30 days, which became known in Venetian law as Trentino. And as time went on, the Venetians increased the forced isolation to 40 days, or a quarantino, the origin of the word quarantine, and the start of its practice in the Western world. And this definitely had an effect. Now third up is the Great Plague of London, and this is titled Sealing Up the Sick. Now London never really caught a break after the Black Death. The plague resurfaced roughly every 10 years from 1348 to 1665, which equated to about 40 outbreaks in just over 300 years. And with each new plague epidemic, 20% of the men and women and children living in the British capital were killed. And so by the early 1500s, England imposed the first laws to separate and isolate the sick. Homes were stricken by plague, were marked with a bale of hay strung to a pole outside, and if you had an infected family members, you had to carry a white pole when you went out in public. And cats and dogs were also believed to carry the disease, so there was a massacre of hundreds of thousands of animals at the time as well. And the Great Plague of 1665 was the last and one of the worst of the centuries. Uh, So killing more than 100,000 Londoners in just seven months. All public entertainment was banned and victims were forcibly shut into their homes to prevent the spread of the disease. Red crosses were painted on the doors along with the plea for forgiveness saying, Lord have mercy upon us. As cruel as it was to shut up the sick in their homes and bury the dead in mass graves, it may have been the only way to bring the last great plague outbreak to an end. Number four on this list is smallpox a European disease that ravages the New World. Um, So smallpox was an epidemic to Europe, Asia, and Arabia for centuries, a persistent menace that killed three out of ten people it infected and left the rest with pockmarked scars. Um, But the death rate in the Old World paled in comparison to the devastation wrought on native populations in the New World when the smallpox virus arrived in the 15th century with the first European explorers. The indigenous peoples of modern-day Mexico and the United States had zero natural immunity to smallpox, and the virus cut them down by the tens of millions. There hasn't been a kill-off in human history to match what happened in the Americas. 90-95% to of the indigenous population wiped out over a century. Mexico goes from 11 million people pre-conquest to 1 million people. 
Centuries later, smallpox became the first virus epidemic to be ended by a vaccine. And in the late 18th century, a British doctor named Edward Jenner discovered that milkmaids infected with a milder virus called cowpox seemed immune to smallpox. And Jenner famously inoculated his gardener's nine-year-old son with cowpox and then exposed him to the smallpox virus to no ill effect. Now that's a good ending, of course, because the boy ended up all right. But that sentence uh, is easy to gloss over. It was his gardener's nine-year-old son. I don't know what the relationship was there, um, but I'm just glad that that turned out to be on the right side of history and not just another madman um, exposing someone to a virus and ending up killing the kid. Um, but for another time. So number five on the list is cholera, a victory of public health research. In the early to mid-19th century, cholera tore through England, killing tens of thousands, and the prevailing scientific theory of the day said that the disease was spread by foul air known as miasma. But a British doctor named John Snow suspected the mysterious disease. I don't want to go off subject here, but Jon Snow made me get a little excited just because I'm a Game of Thrones fan. Um, but the mysterious disease, which killed its victims within days of the first symptoms. So it lurked in London's drinking water. And Snow acted like a scientific Sherlock Holmes, investigating hospital records and morgue reports to track the precise locations of deadly outbreaks. He created a geographic chart of cholera deaths over a 10-day period and found a cluster of 500... Fatal infections surrounding the Broad Street Pump, a popular city well for drinking water. In quotes from Jon Snow himself, he says, As soon as I became acquainted with the situation and the extent of this eruption of cholera, I suspected contamination of the water from the pump in Broad Street. With a dogged effort, Snow convinced local officials to remove the pump handle on the Broad Street drinking well, rendering it unusable. And like magic, the infections dried up, and Snow's work didn't cure cholera overnight, of course, but it eventually led to a global effort to improve urban sanitation and protect drinking water from contamination. While cholera has largely been eradicated in developed countries, it's still a persistent killer in third world countries, lacking adequate sewage treatment and access to clean drinking water. And that's all I have for you today. Um... I hope that was interesting. I hope you learned something from that. Um, if nothing, the thought for me, this is maybe a bit morbid, that this situation we're in today is not a new one. It's new for the time. It's new for my life. Being 24 years old, I've never experienced anything like this. Um, but to know that this has been happening for centuries, um, for thousands of years in different parts of the country, knowing we will get through this, we will make it out stronger, and I'm sure there's going to be something new tomorrow. But essentially, I have faith in the world as a whole to keep on moving and to find a solution, find ways to improve, and keep striving for a better and higher grade life for everyone. And I have my doubts of the people in charge leading us correctly, leading the world in the right direction for that ideal outcome. Um, there's been so much pain, so much loss. Um, this year has been a weird one for everybody and it's created a lot of change, change in our society, change in the way we connect, change in the way we interact and forced us to look at ourselves a lot. Um, I know myself, I've had to be alone so much more than I've ever had to be 
in life and partly due to the pandemic, partly due to life situations. But I think the thing that resonates with me is that there's no going back. Um, and the only way to make a better future is to recognize it, internalize it, reflect on it and find ways to deal with it in the best way we can. Everyone is trying. I think that's an important thing to make a statement on. Um, everyone is trying, everyone's going through something different in this time. And so there's a million and one different reactions, a million and one different opinions. And I just implore everyone to be gentle on yourself and on each other, because at the end of the day, um, we will get through this and we want to have a world worth getting back to. Um, so yeah. Happy holidays. I hope this was not too boring or different. If you did enjoy it, please let me know. Please tweet at us, Instagram us, Casual X History. We will be sure to get back to it as soon as it is safely possible for both of us to be in the same room. Um, and we will keep you updated. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Casual History. Uh-huh.